Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Trudell. It's a joy to be here. And uh, I mean, it's a joy to be at Faith Baptist, not necessarily Bakersfield. And uh, no, I'm just playing with you. I was just wondering, what bad thing did you guys do to have to live in Bakersfield? And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I will say it's about uh, 10 degrees hotter here than it was in Santa Clarita. And and so uh, you guys, man, God bless you for your labor of love here in Bakersfield. Seriously, I'm glad glad that God has put a church here that loves the Lord and loves the community, loves the world, uh, and would have missionaries in and supports missionaries. You're doing an amazing job, and I just want to commend you. Uh, this is my second time here, and every time I've come to Faith Baptist in Bakersfield, I, I'm always inspired and encouraged. And so I want to say how much I love your pastor. Seriously, uh, jokes aside, he's one of my best friends, and I appreciate his love for the Lord and uh, his encouragement to me and just enjoy spending some time with he and his family tonight. And I'm honored to have my family with me tonight. Some of them just went to Patch Club, but I have my wife here. It's her first time here tonight. This is Amber, and we've been married for uh, over 16 years now. And then this is our oldest daughter, Taylor. She's 13, and I'm honored that they're here tonight. I hope you've had a good day today, and I hope you're ready to receive something from the Word of the Lord. Grab your Bibles and go to Mark chapter number 10. We're going to go ahead and jump right in tonight, Mark chapter number 10. And your pastor told me that you had this youth conference coming up. And so I wanted to preach something, and he asked me to preach something along the lines uh, of, of youth ministry and encouraging us to step forward into this opportunity. And really, I want you to know that next week you have a really unique opportunity to invest in the next generation. That's a great opportunity. That's a great stewardship that you are going to be given. And I know there's been a lot of changes that you hadn't uh, planned for, right, where you were planning to send them off to camp, and there were going to be counselors that were going to be investing in those kids. but now. God, and according to his divine plan, has saw it fit to give you this stewardship uh, to, to be able to invest in these young people, and what a great opportunity you have. And I just want to say that you are going to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus next week as young people come onto this property, and you're going to be able to serve them. I want us to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 10, and since we have a few minutes here, I want to go ahead and read verses 1 through 16 tonight, Mark chapter number 10. Verse number one, the Bible says, And he, Jesus, arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther, farther side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, he taught them again. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. And so they then are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now notice the switch here as we move into verse number 13. Uh, same context, but we're getting ready to make a shift in the story in verse 13. And they brought young children to him and that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Look at verse 16. 
And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we love you and thank you for the privilege that you have given to us to be in your house tonight with your people tonight. It's a joy to be a part of the local church. And we thank you so much for this local church that is reaching a needy community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for this dear family that's here tonight that's going to Zambia. And what a joy to see how you're touching the hearts and lives of, of young people and young, young couples and, and, and calling them to the uttermost parts of the earth to preach the gospel. We pray your blessing upon this dear family as they continue to raise support and then step out by faith to follow you in Zambia. Now, Lord, we pray as we come into the word of God tonight that you would speak to our hearts. We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth tonight. All is vain unless your spirit comes and helps and guides and teaches. And so, Lord, I commit my heart and life into your hands. Pray you would uh, hide me behind the cross tonight. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. And I pray that your people would hear your word preached tonight and respond in faith. We love you and thank you for all that you've done for us. Bless our time in the word tonight. And we pray this prayer together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, if you look at the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all give a very unique perspective of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Same Jesus, same ministry, but unique perspectives of that ministry. Matthew writes his gospel to prove beyond any doubt that Jesus was the Messiah, the King of Israel. Luke wrote his gospel to deal with the humanity of Christ, revealing that Jesus was the Son of Man. John wrote his gospel concerning uh, proving that Jesus is God. Tonight we read from Mark chapter number 10, and it's widely accepted that Mark was written to emphasize Jesus as a servant. More specifically, Jesus as a servant leader. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet the Bible tells us that he humbled himself and made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And when you read the book of Mark, you'll find Jesus going from place to place very rapidly and talking to this person and that person and doing lots of, of important ministry. Someone suggested that Mark 10 and verse number 45 is the key verse to the gospel according to Mark, where the Bible says that the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And as we study Mark chapter 10, what we find is one aspect of the ministry of the greatest servant leader that ever was, was children's ministry, was ministering to, to young people. We read it a moment ago in verse number 14, where Jesus says, suffer the little children. In other words, uh, permit the little children, allow the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And that word child there, it refers not only to infants, it does refer to infants, but it also refers to half-grown boys or girls. And someone might suggest in this story that Jesus uh, turned his attention away from the adults and focused his attention on these young people. And what a waste of time, what a, what a waste of effort to focus on the young people while there are adults in the room. But I love what one author said, Mark reveals Christ in action busy doing the will of the Father, no effort is wasted, no time is spent on the frivolous. What I'm telling you tonight is when Jesus said, allow the little children, suffer the little children to come unto me, he was saying something very important to every one of us, and that is that children's ministry matters. Amen. Youth ministry is important. Amen. In fact, and, and you'll just walk with me right here because I'm going to say something that might seem controversial. We might be it might be true to say that youth ministry and children's ministry and teen ministry is more important than adult ministry. 
Because we're talking about young people whose lives are being impressed and their hearts are being formed and we get to impress their life before they begin to involve themselves in the, the, the day-to-day life that we face as adults. I read a story about a, a church that had, uh, that had gone under and, and they had closed their doors sadly and uh, they talked to the, the pastor there and began to ask him what, what happened there. And, and they said that, well, we only had, in the last year, we had three and a half people saved. And they said, oh, you, had, you mean you had three adults and one child? He said, no, we had three children and one adult. And they looked down on that. And, and I, I read of, of, of this same story of this church that, that began to, they, they, they had three nine-year-old boys that year that were saved, baptized, and joined the church. You know, know, know something about those three boys? One turned out to be a pastor. The other turned out to be a missionary. The other turned out to be a professor of theology at an African, African seminary. They went back and looked at the records of this church that had sadly closed the doors. And in the records of that church, this is what it said. It has not been a good year for our church. We have lost 27 members, three joined, and they were only children. Isn't that how we think about it sometimes if we're not careful? It's only patch club. It's, it's only teen ministry. It's only a youth conference. Hey, we are impacting a generation for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me emphasize to you, and I think based upon the authority of the word of God, children's ministry is not wasted. Children's uh, youth ministry is not frivolous. In fact, Jesus involved himself in that very ministry. And listen to me, when we involve ourselves in that ministry, we are doing no less than the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I noticed in our text tonight, there are two people that are being, two groups of people that are being ministered to. And I want us to look at this in our text tonight. In the first half, in verses 1 through 12, Jesus ministers to the adults. But in the second half, in verses 13 through 16, we see Jesus ministering to the adolescents. And so I want to break this into two parts. Number one tonight, if you're keeping notes, write this down in your notes, the issues of adulthood. Uh, the issues of adulthood in verses 1 through 12. Someone said that times change but people stay the same. And I think as we look into the issues that these people are facing in Mark chapter number 10, we can see that there seems to be some truth to that story. You know, the Bible says in Job chapter 14 and verse number one, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Can I get a witness in here tonight? Anybody here think, uh, pa- pastor, that is my life verse right there. Job 14, one, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. I mean, the truth of the matter is, Life is complicated, and sometimes life is downright difficult. Contrast that, though, if you would, with young people. You know, I, Pastor Trudell, I was thinking about as I was studying for the message tonight, there are two things that consume the mind of young people. Uh, predominantly, this, these are the two things that run through their minds more than anything else. Food and fun. I have four kids, and if I could just have a dollar every time they said, Dad, I'm hungry. Or, Dad, I'm bored, I would be a wealthy man tonight. They think about two, pretty much two things, food and fun. And some of you are like, actually, that's all I think about most of the time, too, is food and, and fun. But the reality is, uh, when it comes to adult people, we have to think about more things than food and fun. As a matter of fact, sometimes the issues of adulthood crowd out the food and crowd out the fun. And some, there may be some people in here tonight, you find yourself under the pressures of life and the difficulties of life. And you say, 
I, I haven't had fun in a long time and I haven't been uh, consuming food recently because I'm so stressed by the, by the difficulties of my life. We see in our text tonight three issues that these people were dealing with that we can relate to. Number one, letter A, I see political issues. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, and he, Jesus arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea. Note that right there. He cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan. Now, when we look at that, we may not understand why that reveals to us political issues in this day and time. But what we need to understand is the coast of Judea was a, a district that was ruled by a man named Herod Antipas. Who was Herod Antipas? He was the Tetrarch of Galilee. A Tetrarch was a Jewish ruler, often referred to as a king, who was under Roman authority. This was a time when the Roman Empire was expanding. And Jewish people were under the authority of the Roman Empire, of the Roman government. This Tetrarch named Herod being one of those leaders. And so here's the political scene. You have the Jews versus the Romans. who had, And you have the king of, uh, of Israel at this time, Herod, who has Rome's best interest in his heart. The point I want to make here is very simple. This was a day of political strife. This was a day of political division. Does that sound familiar to anyone in here tonight? We live in a similar day today where it's left versus right. It's Republican versus Democrat. It's this person against that person. It's liberal versus conservative. Well, in this day and time, it was the Jewish people versus the Roman people. And the Jewish people were under the oppressive reign of the Roman government. Jesus is dealing with people who are experiencing political issues. Not only are there political issues, our text reveals that there are religious issues. Look at verse number one, please. The Bible says, the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, or as his custom was, he taught them again. Notice the next verse, verse number two. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, is it lawful? And else Paul's there. So on the one hand, you have Jesus Christ who is preaching the truth of, the, of, of, of God to these people. And on the other hand, you have this group called the Pharisees. Now, these were those who were, who were really uh, opposing Jesus Christ. These were those who were the separatists. They were, there were three different sects in the Jewish uh, culture in this day and time. There was the Essenes, the Sadducees, and the Pharisees. And these Pharisees had pitted themselves against Jesus Christ. They were no fan of Jesus Christ. One author said this, they were the bitter and persistent enemies of our Lord. They could not bear his doctrines and they sought by every means to destroy his influence among the people. Now get the picture here. You have these group of adults, they're dealing with political strife, the Romans versus the Jews. They're dealing with religious strife, the Pharisees versus Jesus and his ministry and his disciples. But then there's a third issue at hand in our text today, and that is relational issues. I want you to think about that. Political issues, religious issues, relational issues. Doesn't that pretty much sum up the issues that we face on a, on a, in, a, in our adulthood? There, you know, I thought about it like this. There are three things that your boss will tell you. Do not discuss these things while you're at work. Politics, religion, and relationships. Those are, those are issues that we can relate to. Look down, if you would, at verse number two of our text. The Bible says, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Now, stay with me right here. Tempting him, and he answered and said unto them, what did Moses command you? And they said, 
Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Specifically, the relational issue that's being handled in this text in Mark chapter 10 was the issue of divorce. When the Bible says to put away your spouse, it was referring to divorcing yourself from your spouse. If we go back to Mark chapter 6, in fact, take your Bibles and turn back there. Let's look at this. Let's try to get some context to understand why this was such an explosive issue during this day. Mark chapter number 6, verse number 17. We find that this was a hot topic of the day because of a man named Herod. We just talked about Herod, the, the tetrarch uh, of this area, the ruler of, of Israel at this time. Herod had divorced his wife to marry Herodias. John the Baptist was beheaded for publicly condemning his marital status. In fact, look at verse number 17 of Mark chapter number six. The Bible says, for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Now it's interesting when you go back and you study the historical context of Mark chapter number 10, in Judaism at this time, there was something happening in their religious culture and in their culture at large called the Hillel Shammai debate. There were these two, uh, there were, there were these these two Jewish rabbis, one named Hillel, the other named Shammai, and both of them taught two very different viewpoints and teachings concerning divorce. Rabbi Hillel taught that a man could divorce his wife for any reason whatsoever. And Rabbi Shammai taught that divorce was prohibited, prohibited except in the case of adultery. And now they're bringing Jesus into the conversation. What do you say about the relational issues of our day. And I love Jesus' response. Look down at verse number six. Because Jesus doesn't get caught up in the religious politics of the day. Jesus doesn't say, well, I side with Hillel. I side with Shammai. Jesus doesn't take into account the, politi- the politics of the day that Herod Antipas had, had, uh, had put away his wife to take, his brother's wife, Herodias. You know what Jesus does? And I love this. He gets right back to the word of God. In verse number six, he refers to Genesis chapter two and verse number 24. He says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no, then they, uh, that they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Jesus says, basically, if we'll get right back down to the word of God, if we'll stop focusing on what Hillel says and Shammai says and stop worrying too much about what Herod thinks, get back to the word of God, and we find that God has a perfect plan for how to make a relationship thrive. And the way a relationship is going to thrive, I'm not here to preach on marriage tonight, but he lays it out right here. Number one, there needs to be love. He mentions the male and the female. God intended for the man and the woman to enjoy each other's presence, to engage in fellowship and fall in love. And when they fall in love, what are they supposed to do? Leave. Leave their father and mother. God intended the man and the woman to be married and to become a separate and distinct family unit. And then to live. He says, cleave to his wife. Means to stick like glue. They were intended to do life together as a husband and wife. But then there's the last part, and this was important in this culture. They had to labor. Did you notice what he said there in the verse? Wherefore, verse number nine. Where, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Hey, if you're here tonight and you're married, you know it takes, it takes work to make your relationship work. But uh, t- here's the thing that was happening in Mark chapter 10 
there had developed in this culture an idea that, you know what, once I lose my desire for my wife or my husband, I can just divorce them because I no longer desire to be with them. And mankind has completely distorted God's design. It became an issue of individual desire. If I find something I don't like about my spouse, I'll just divorce them, put them away, and I'll find someone else who can meet my needs. Now, you've got to look at verse number five, because I think this ties all that we just talked about together. Verse number five. And Jesus answered and said unto them, look at this, for the hardness of your heart, he, Moses, wrote you this precept. Now, I know in direct context, he's talking about marriage, but I think in a fuller context, he's saying, hey, I understand where we are today. We're we're discussing political issues. We're we're discussing relational issues. We're discussing religious issues. And you know why? We're discussing all of these things for the hardness of your heart. You know what the word hardness means? Listen to me. The word hardness means destitute of spiritual perception. You know why you're, you're struggling in these areas? Because you're destitute of spiritual perception. It should be clear that the ultimate reason for the hard hearts was because of sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe when you study the greater context of Mark chapter number 10, there are societal implications as well. All of the politics, all of the religion, all of the relational issues had served to harden their hearts toward what was most important. You know how Ezekiel referred to it? He said he referred to it as the stony heart. You know why we, you know why we have issues? You know why we have political issues today? You know why we have religious issues today? You know why we have relational issues today? Because of the hardness of people's hearts because they're destitute of spiritual perception. They've got away from the word of God. Aren't you thankful tonight that we have a word, the Bible? The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine. That tells me what's right. For correction, that tells me how to get right. For instruction in righteousness, that tells me how to stay right. Hey, I'm telling you, we have a, a Bible that was given to us by God. This is not just the opinions, the thoughts, the ideas of man, friend. This is God's breath on a page and God's given it to us so that we can abide by his word and thrive in his word. But so many times we do just like these people are, uh, as they're referred to in Mark chapter number 10, we follow our own path. We do what we desire. We do what we want to do. For the hardness of our hearts, Jesus said, that's why you're doing these things. That's why these precepts had to be written. Look at verse number 10, if you would. Because it's as if after these things had been handled in public, they go into the house. And the Bible says that then his disciples followed Jesus into the house, verse number 10. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. It's like, Lord, we're still not over this yet. We're still thinking about those relational issues. We're still thinking about this Hillel Shammai debate. And notice it's not the Pharisees who are asking him now. It's the disciples, his followers, who are asking him about it now. And look what he says in verse number 10. He says to them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now, it's important to remember this, that Jesus is referring to divorce for mere desire's sake. 
This is the person who says, well, my spouse doesn't please me anymore, so I'll just divorce them and go marry someone else. And Jesus says, if that's your mentality, you're committing adultery. But keep in mind, this is just the fruit issue. The fruit issue is political issues. The fruit issue is relational issues. The fruit issue is religious issues. But Jesus isn't just dealing with the fruit. He wants to get down to the root. And the, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And that's what Jesus wants to deal with. And it's interesting because as they're here, now don't miss this part right here. This is the whole message. As they're dealing with these adult issues, politics, religion, and relationships, into this scene comes children. And these children, are you getting the picture here? The disciples are gathered around Jesus. Hey, Jesus, what do you think about this political debate going on right now? What do you think about what Herod's doing, Lord? What do you think about divorce? What's your take on that, Lord? And God tell, and the Lord Jesus Christ tells them, and here comes some children walking in. And I want you to look what the Bible says in verse number 13. Don't miss this. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. Look at this. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Now, I can imagine, this is how I'm thinking about this story as I'm studying for this message. All the adults are gathered around having talks about adult issues. Talking about politics and relationships and religion. And here comes some children walking in. And all of a sudden, they look over here and see this little child walking in, and they say, what are you doing letting that child get? We're having adult conversations right now. We're talking about relationships and politics and religion right now. We don't have time for those little children. One author said this, they did not consider children to be important. It was as if they said to Jesus and everybody around, we're talking about important stuff right now. Those kids can wait. Watch this. Number two, we see the illustration of adolescence. The issues of adulthood, political issues, religion issues, relational issues. But now, number two, we see the illustration of adolescence. And I want everybody to look at Jesus' response to when the disciples said, hey, we don't have time for the kids. We're dealing with adult issues right now. Look at verse number 14. Don't miss it. Mark 10, 14. This ought to encourage you tonight. But when Jesus saw it, Look at this. He was much displeased. I looked that up in my concordance. It it means to be filled with indignation. He wasn't happy. He He wasn't happy at the way his disciples handled this issue. Why was that? Why why was it that Jesus was upset? And that's the question I want to answer in the message tonight. One one commentary said this, instead of the children first becoming like them, they must themselves become like little children. And Jesus makes that clear in verse number 16. Look at it in your Bible. Verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God as a little child? Two things that I'm going to give to you tonight that we see in the text letter A. Children come in humility. Notice he said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Unlike the Pharisees who we read about just a little bit ago who came to Jesus to trap Jesus, 
The Pharisees who came to Jesus with this predisposed mindset of the religious system and the political system, these children just came. In fact, most of them are probably brought, the Bible says, to be touched by him. And I, I looked up the word touched, and it, it just means this, to get to know someone. One, one author said it's most likely that these weren't children who needed to be healed of sickness. These weren't children who had any great needs. Listen to me. They just wanted to be with Jesus. They saw something in Jesus that was magnetic to them. They said, there's something about him that we love. He cares about us. When he looks at us, we see a heart of love, and we see hands of love, and we see a heart of concern. We want to be in the presence of that man named Jesus. We want to be where he can touch us. We want to be close enough to where he can put his hands on us. That's the thing about children. Most of them don't think of themselves as anything special. But if someone will simply take notice of them, you know what will happen? They'll gravitate to that person. And I believe that's what the Bible's teaching us here, that Jesus had a love for these kids, and, and they recognize that man cares for me. He loves me, and I, I want to get near that man. You know what? Hey, we need, we need some adults who will become children in that way, not coming to Jesus with a list of arguments, not coming to Jesus with a list of demands, but rather coming to Jesus with a heart of humility, asking him if he would just touch us. And by touch us, I mean just spend time with us and be with us and have a relationship with him. James 4, 6 says this, he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know, the Bible says the Pharisees came to test Jesus. The, the children came to touch Jesus. How do you approach Jesus? How do you approach the Lord Jesus Christ? Hey, I'm, I'm just simply telling you this morning, or this evening rather, uh, Jesus said, until you become like a little child, you cannot enter into my kingdom. How did these little children come to Jesus? They came in humility. And I'm going to tell you tonight that you cannot come to Christ if you're not willing to humble yourself. Matthew 16, 24 says, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Those children came to Jesus in humility. Let me give you one last thing, letter B. The, the children received by faith. The children came in humility, but the children received by faith. Look at verse number 15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed you know, I believe Jesus was teaching us a valuable lesson. I want you to listen to me. And again, I, I want to make sure I'm very clear on this. I understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wherefore, uh, Romans 5, 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. If any man say he has no sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. We're all sinners. Everybody with me on that? Amen. But I'm going to tell you what I believe Jesus was teaching us in this passage. We all, in a sense, have a hardness of heart from our sin nature. But I believe Jesus was teaching that these adults who had been dealing with, uh, had been dealing with political issues and had been dealing with relational issues and had been dealing with religious issues, they, their hearts had been so hard. They cared no more about relationship with God. All they cared about was the rules that they could keep. Lord, tell us, tell us how to keep the rules. Tell us how to check the boxes. 
tell us how we can do, get by just right. And the Lord said, hey, wait a second. You're missing the whole point. Why are we missing the point, Lord? I'm going to tell you why. Because your hearts are hard. hard. You're, just des- you're destitute of spiritual perception. I didn't come just to help you keep rules. I didn't come to just give you a checklist that you can check every single day. I came to have a relationship with you. By faith. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We come to God by faith. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ recognizing that he has paid the price for our sins. Yes, we have sinned. Yes, we have done wrong. And we can never check enough boxes or do enough religious good deeds to earn favor with God. Christ has already paid the price and all we have to do is accept it by faith. The Bible says it's a gift that cost Jesus his life and we receive that gift by faith. Pastor Zach, why, why should we invest thousands of dollars into youth conference? Why, why should we spend time next week serving teenagers? Hey, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. I've served in youth ministry long enough. Next week, let me tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna have some teenager who doesn't say thank you for serving them. You're, let me tell you what's gonna happen. You're going to have some, some teenager who says, Cheetos, I wanted Doritos. But you know what we need? We need, some, we need some adults who will have the heart of Jesus next week. Who will say, you know what? This is my opportunity to allow the little children to come to Jesus. This is my opportunity to welcome, not to push them away and say, hey, you, we don't have time for the little kids. We're dealing with issues of adulthood here. No, we have an opportunity to say, you know what? If I don't become like a little child, if I don't humble myself and come to God by faith, I cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And there's gonna be some people who come in here next week, some young people who come on this property next week who need somebody to show them that they love them and care for them. And you don't want anything from them other than just to say, look, we wanna be the hands, the feet of Jesus Christ in your life next week. One, one writer said this, he ever giveth more than men ask or think. He had been asked only to touch the children. And you know what he did? Listen, he takes them into his arms, lays his hands upon them, and blesses. Another author said this, to receive the kingdom of God as a little child is to receive it after the manner of a child with simplicity and faith, humility, and love. Unless those conditions were fulfilled, those who were disputing who was the greatest in it were as if they had not even entered. Hey, I'm just want, I just want to encourage you. Jesus said, suffer the little children. Hey, permit the little children to come unto me. We're talking about all these things over here, and, and, and certainly they're important. And Jesus lent some more he gave some words to these people to say hey this is what the bible says this is how you ought to live but listen we ain't got time to just focus on politics and we ain't got time to just focus on religious politics and we ain't got time to just deal with relational issues we have to recognize there's another generation that's coming up behind us and they haven't been affected by politics yet and they haven't been affected by relational breakdown yet and they haven't been affected by by all of the other things that adults and so we have an opportunity to usher them into the feet of Jesus and say, hey, there's a God in heaven who doesn't want anything from you other than you. Isn't that a blessing? God doesn't say, you can come to me, but, 
but to come to me, you have to do this and you have to do that. No, no, just come to me by faith. Just, just come in. Just come into my presence. I, I invite you in freely. Salvation is a gift for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there are going to be some teenagers who come in here next week and they're not all going to be thankful for what you do and they're going to complain about some things. But you know what you need to do? Point them to Jesus. Point them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, you know why I'm serving you today? You know why I'm why I'm serving you this bag of Cheetos even though you wanted Doritos? You know why I'm serving you this bag of Cheetos today? Because I want you to know that there's a Savior who loves you. There's a Savior who cares about you. There's a God in heaven who gave his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you thankful it's that simple? I read about a pastor in California who was giving an invitation at the end of his Sunday morning message. A little five-year-old boy who sensed the invitation of the Holy Spirit came down the aisle and not knowing if the boy was old enough to understand salvation, the pastor took him to his office and began to ask some theological questions to the boy. The more he questioned, the more confused the boy became. And finally, in exasperation, the little boy stopped and he innocently pleaded, Pastor, in your message this morning, you said that if I would come and ask Jesus to save me, he would. Did you really mean that or not? The pastor said, I didn't ask any more questions after that. He helped the boy to respond to God's invitation by inviting Jesus Christ to be his Savior. You know, right before Jesus went to the cross, you remember what he did? The Bible says as they were gathered around the table there at the Last Supper, Jesus stood from the table and he, he took a towel and he girded himself and the Bible says he knelt down on his knees and he took the dirty feet of his disciples and he washed those feet. I wonder if there might be some people next week who would become servant leaders. People who may never stand in the spotlight of the stage and may never stand behind the pulpit, may, may never play an instrument, may never lead in a song, but say, I'll be willing to just follow in the footsteps of the greatest servant leader that ever was and bow down before some young people, so to speak, and serve them a lunch or pay their way to go to Six Flags or pay so they can go play paintball, not so they can just have a good time, but so they can sit in these pews and these chairs and hear the preaching of the word of God and their life be changed by the power of the God. How many of you tonight believe that there's still power in the gospel to change them? You know what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Hey, there's going to be some teenagers who walk in here next week, and right now their life is consumed with TikTok and, and secular music and their, their hearts not where it needs to be. But may God raise up some leaders here at, at Faith Baptist who will say, I don't know your name. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I want to serve you like Jesus. Allow the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus Christ, my Savior, my example, involved himself in the ministry of young people, and I want to follow his example and do the same. Would you bow your heads with me this evening? I so appreciate the emphasis that your church is putting on this youth conference, and I love that you have the Patch Club tonight and all the different ministries here, and I love that you're going to be fasting over these next few days for these young people. Why don't we ask God to help us be more like Christ? That's the goal, right? 
not to be more like Zach, not to be more like Pastor Trudell. The, the goal is to be more like Jesus Christ, who cared very deeply about these children. They could do nothing for him, but he could do everything for them. He invited them to come to him. Tonight, we ought to have some people who would say, Lord, give me a burden for the young people. Maybe you're here tonight, you said, Zach, the issues of adulthood have kind of crept in and hardened my heart a little bit. And I, I focus so much on politics and I focus so much on religious politics and I focus so much on the difficulties of relationship and the difficulties, the issues of adulthood. And I see tonight that I, I haven't been putting enough emphasis on the ministry of Jesus. Jesus cares about the little children. Jesus cares about these teenagers that are coming on this property next week. May God raise up some leaders in this church who would be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, would you help this church as they prepare for a week of ministry?